Romans, the eighth chapter. We'll just look at that verse for a moment and then move over into Colossians. So Romans 8, and then we'll go into Colossians 3. Praise God. Amen. Romans 8, and then Colossians 3. Thank you, Jesus. All right, so Romans chapter 8, verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, or they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now, to be carnally minded that word carnal there is speaking of flesh or, or something that's you know, fleshly or physical. And so notice, if you set your mind on the things of the flesh, you're going to have a fleshly mindset. That's what it means to be carnally minded. Um, when we talk about these things, we looked at it in Mark the 8th chapter a few Sunday nights ago. We won't turn back there, but remember when... Peter basically rebuked Jesus for suggesting that he would one day, Jesus would one day um, die. You know, Jesus began to tell him about how he was going to have to suffer and die. And Peter's like, over my dead body, you know, just rebuking him and shooting his mouth off. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God or the things of heaven, but you're mindful of the things of, of men or the things of this earth. And that word mindful there meant that he had a slant, an inclination towards the things of the flesh, the things of this earth. And that was his go-to. That, that was, you know, the direction his mind went. And we looked at how all those, after having all those experiences of, of Jesus supernaturally multiplying food and feeding tens of thousands of people, when it came down to it, they were in a boat with one loaf of bread. They were concerned about going hungry. Because again, that was their mindset. That was how their minds, we could say it this way, that was how their minds worked. Well, aren't you glad that Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Word of God can help our minds work a better way? Our minds don't have to work the way they've always worked. They don't have to be slanted or leaning towards the directions that they've always leaned. And so setting your mind on the things of the flesh is what causes an individual to be carnally minded. But setting your mind on the things of the Spirit, a deliberate intentional act like we said this morning, is how we become spiritually minded. How, how we, we flip that switch from, from being focused on and leaning towards and looking to the things of the flesh to being focused on and, and leaning to and, and going after the things of the Spirit. All right. Turn with me now to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. So Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Um, if you're looking for a good place to read and study the Scriptures, those four books are among uh, my many favorites. Amen. Colossians chapter 3. I want to 
take the time to weave all this into where we were this morning, but if I do that, then we may not have time to get where we need to be. So um, if you weren't here, you can get a copy of that for free. It's on the church website. We can burn you a CD uh, of that. Amen. Um, so now Colossians chapter 3, and let's begin at verse number 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Amen. If then you were raised with Christ. He's talking about what it means to be born again. In other words, if you've received the gift of salvation, if you've called upon the name of the Lord to be saved, then you were, according to the Scriptures, you have been raised, you were raised with Christ. And so he says, if you were raised with Christ, then seek those things which are above where He is. And where is He? He's sitting at the right hand of God. And Ephesians 2, chapter 2, tells us that we're seated there together with Him. Amen. So, the key verse that I want us to focus in on this evening is this verse, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Here we have that phrase again, set your mind. Set your mind. Again, this is speaking of a deliberate, intentional act. This is something that we do as born-again believers on purpose. We plan it. We we, we, we have a strategy. It's, it's, it's not something that just happens randomly. Um, if, if you're waiting for something to just fall out of the sky and hit you in the head and switch the channel of your mind to the things of the Spirit, that's not going to happen. And as a matter of fact, when we talk about, um, you know, a few things the Scriptures tell you and me to work at, one is that we should labor to enter the rest that's been made available for us. Hebrews 4, John 6 says that our work is to believe on Him whom God has sent. And, and so that implies there's, again, effort required on our part. There's something here that we must do. Another verse that fits right in with that is where the, the Scriptures tell us to fight the good fight of faith. To fight the good fight of faith. And so again, there's a battle here um, that, that we have to... To, with the Holy Spirit's help, but again, we have to participate in that fight if we're going to win that battle. Now, I want to show you this same verse, Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 2, um, in the King James Version, and the King James Version reads a little, a little uh, it reads differently. If you, if you look at verse 2 again here in the New King James, it's on the screen, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. The King James Version reads, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Now, when I first began to read and study the Bible, I started in the King James Version of the Bible. And um, a lot of the verses that I memorized in, in my childhood and teenage years, I memorized them from the King James Version of the Bible. It was, I don't know, maybe 25 years ago or so, um, that uh, maybe a little longer than that, that I, I swapped over to the New King James Version. And part of, part of that was because Pam and I were ministering to, to, to youth, to teenagers, and um, 
and, and the New King James just takes like verily, verily and, and, and makes it assuredly. It, it puts it in words that they could connect with and relate to more. Now, because of, of that, when I, when I read now in the New King James Version, I have the King James Version background. And so when we come to these verses where a single word is on the surface seems to be translated, you know, so radically different um, between the two versions, um, it's, it's not because there's a contradiction here. It gives us an opportunity to dig into the language and, and, and understand better, uh, I think, from both translations what this verse is really uh, saying to us, what it's communicating to us. Words are nothing more than vehicles, right? Words are containers, and words contain meaning. Amen. But remember, the Bible wasn't written in English. It was written in Greek and Hebrew, translated from those languages in, into English, and of course, a whole lot of other languages. And so, to go back to that original word and, and dig into it, because obviously that original word implies both mind and affection. Are you, are you seeing this? In other words, the translators didn't just think, well, you know, affection, that's ridiculous. Let's say mind here. There's a reason why one translation would read affection and another translation would read mind. And the answer to that is to go into that original word and to see exactly what it means. So here is the interesting thing about this word translated in the New King James, set your mind. In the King James Version, set your affection. This word translated mind slash affection is speaking of thoughts that move you emotionally. It's talking about not just a random thought or a, or a surface thought or, or you know, superficial type thinking, but this is talking about something that, that when your mind is set upon it, it creates, um, one translation is a visceral reaction. Remember when the Bible says Jesus was moved with compassion? moved with compassion. Again, this was speaking of the affections of his heart. He would see people in need as he would consider these people and as he would consider their needs, it would impact him and affect him emotionally. It would move him inwardly. So it, it, it's making a connection between not just a, a random or superficial thought, but it's implying something deeper than that. He's not just saying set your thoughts on the things above, but to set your affections, thoughts that would be deeper, that would, would move you emotionally. Now, the, the word in the Greek um, that, that we see used he, here um, and, then, and then in other places, it's, it's literally um, synonymous, means the same as with the Greek word cardia. It's not the word cardia. Anybody want to guess what English word we get? Um, <laughs> cardia, uh, cardiac, but it, it's, it's, it's the Greek word for heart. So when he says set your affections, he's talking about setting your heart, not, not just your brain, but, um, you know, praise God. I feel like we almost need to spend a whole session on this one word. And I don't want to do that tonight, but, but you understand that the Bible talks about an understanding that would be with the brain, the meat computer, but then there's an understanding of the heart. There's a thought that would be at the brain level, 
but then there's a thought that is also at the heart level. And one of the challenges that, that we have in the body of Christ is we've got to get what's in our head into our heart. This is important, right? In other words, people, um, I've, I've heard people say that since I was a young man. And, um, and so, again, what's in your head, in your heart, there's a difference. I'm not trying to confuse you. Just let the Holy Spirit help us here, please. There's a difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge. There's a difference between a, a theoretical understanding of something versus a knowing it in your heart. Now, when the pressure's on and life is squeezing you, you don't go with what's in your head. You revert to what's in your heart. This is why we've got to get these things at that, at that level and that depth of understanding. And here's the amazing thing about it. He's, he's, he's explaining to us how to do that. He's showing us here in these verses how to do that. So let me go back now because a lot of times I, I, when we look at verses like this, for instance in John 14 when he says, let not your heart be troubled. That word let there means don't allow your heart to be troubled. Jesus would never instruct you to do something you did not have the ability to do. If you had no control over your heart being troubled, he would never tell you it's your responsibility to not allow your heart to be troubled, right? So by virtue of the fact that he told us, do not let your heart be troubled, tells me we have the capacity to not let it be troubled. Now when he says, set your mind, set your affection on things above, if we did not have the capacity to do that, if we did not have within our ability scope of, 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 of uh, what's the word, potential, what have you, to do that, then he would not instruct us or command us to do that in the Scriptures. By virtue of the fact that he's telling us to do it, it it's, it's revealing that we can, whether it feels like it, seems like it, looks like it or not, we can do this. Amen. Now, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. So this is speaking of, again, of thoughts that move you emotionally. Now, Jesus used a word to communicate this same truth, and the word that he used is the word treasure. Treasure. So when he says, set your minds, set your affection on things above, he's saying that you should make these things your treasure. You should treasure these things. Again, notice how there's a difference between, you know, looking at it just from a, a pure intellectual you know, perspective versus it being something um, in your heart, right? In other words, we could almost use this like, see, there, there are people who, let me see if I can say this right without confusing you or offending you, okay? Everybody still with me? Watch me carefully. If you're, if you're listening by audio, I'm, first time I'm going to point to my head. There's a people who know God, and then there's a people who know God. Second time listening by audio, I pointed to my heart, right? My heart's on this side. Amen. There's a people who know Him, and there's a people who know Him. We could, we could maybe say it this way. There are people who know about Him, and then there are people who know Him. 
Are you seeing the difference here? It's one thing to know about somebody. It's another thing to know that person. You can know about a sports star, an athletic, uh, someone who's famous for their, their athletic ability or, or for their creative musical talent or what have you, you know, recording artist. You can know about those people. That's not the same as knowing them personally, knowing them deeply, knowing them intimately, knowing them emotionally, having an emotional uh, attachment to them that's real and genuine, uh, that's reciprocated by them, okay? So when Jesus talks about our treasure and things that we treasure, he's not just talking about something that we could take or leave, something that interests us occasionally. He's talking about something that is, that is very important to us, something that is very near and dear to our hearts. This again would be what would rise to the level of what Jesus called a treasure. Okay? Now, notice what he said about treasure in, Mar in Matthew rather, chapter 6, verse 21. Matthew 6 and 21, Jesus said these words, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, if we, if we spend some time meditating on this verse, I think the first question, some of you have heard me talk about this before, you know... First, the first question I'm going to ask you about this verse is, who decides what you treasure? You decide what you treasure. You make those choices. Let me try to say it another way. Who decides what's the most important thing in your life? You decide what's the most important thing in your life. Now, I know some folks may well say, no, no, man, God chooses what's most important in my life. Well, Amen. That's him choosing, but not everybody chooses what he chooses for them. Amen. So when we talk about treasure, we have to kind of work our way into an understanding of this by beginning with this concept of what we give place to or what we give priority to. What, what you give place to, what you give priority to, what you look at in your life. Again, see, listen to me, please. Listen to me, please. At this point, we can't just go with what feels right. This is the mistake a lot of folks make. They let, they let their emotions make these kinds of choices and decisions for them. And so you hear people say things like, man, no, nothing's more important to me than, and you know, fill in the blank. Um, but their, their, their life reality doesn't reflect that. You, you follow what I'm saying? In other words, would it, would it be right for somebody to say, nothing's more important to me than my relationship with God, but they give their relationship with God about 45 minutes every week? See, in other words, we can say that, and we can even be emotional when we say it. Amen. But... In this case, it's not the emotion driving the thinking, it's the thinking that dictates the emotion, the feeling. And that's where we start talking about our hearts getting involved. So let's go back to it. Jesus says where your treasure is, where your treasure is. So the idea is what you give priority to in your life. Now let's go back to set your mind. 
If you set your mind on the things of the flesh, a deliberate intentional act, right? If you set your mind on the things of the flesh, you're going to follow after the things of the flesh. If you set your mind on the things of the flesh, you're going to have the, a carnal mindset. You're going to be carnally minded. And to have a carnal mindset is death. Now, that can certainly mean physical death. I've seen folks go after the things of the flesh and it literally cost them their life. It cost them their physical life. But remember what we said this morning, those of you who are not here, you'll never understand death until you understand it to mean separation. Death means separation. So to be carnally minded is separation. It's separation from the life that God created you to live. You'll never have the life God created you to live with a carnal mindset. It will not support it. But if you will set your mind on the things of the Spirit and become spiritually minded, in other words, develop within, let the Holy Spirit help you develop within yourself a spiritual mindset, that spiritual mindset is life and peace. It's zoe, and that word peace there is speaking of all kinds of good. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a powerful word in the original language that basically communicates every good thing God has for us. So carnally minded means we're going to be separated from what spiritually minded produces in our lives. Amen. But notice it begins with that deliberate intentional act of setting your mind. It, it begins with with us, you know, saying, you know what, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this um, because it's what the Word of God tells me to do, even if, listen to me now, I'm not, I'm not telling you to be a fake or a phony. This is not fake it till you make it. This is faith it till you make it. It's, it's acting on the Word of God by faith. It's doing what the Word of God says. Amen. So you set your mind on the things of the Spirit. You make the things of God a priority in your life by doing things like coming to church on the Sunday night before Labor Day. Amen. That's what you're doing. You know, I mean, there's, there's an interesting football game on TV right now. I, I like college football. I'm, I'm rooting for Jalen Hurts. Uh, playing for the Oklahoma Sooners. I, to me, he's a, he's a young man that has showed exemplary character and, and has, has been very bold about his, his Christian walk and, and, um, and, you know, for him to now have this opportunity. So I'm interested in that. You follow what I'm saying? But I'm, I've chosen the better thing. Deliberate, intentional act. Am I emotionally involved in college football? Yes. The game that's on right now? Yes. Right? But notice, I'm making a faith decision, a deliberate, intentional act by coming, assembling myself together, myself together with other believers, worshiping Father in spirit and truth in the, in the company of other believers, setting my mind on His Word, growing, learning together with other believers. Amen. This is the better thing. This is the thing that will never be taken from us. I don't even know if we'll remember the outcome of the game that's on television right now a year from now, much less 500 years from now. Amen. But we will still be benefiting 500 years from now from what Father God is doing in our lives tonight by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So now notice, it begins then by a deliberate intentional act. Jesus said, where your treasure is. 
You choose what you treasure. You choose what you give place to. You choose what you make the number one priority in your life. But notice what he said. Whatever that thing is that you choose to treasure, there your heart will be also. So which came first here? Not the chicken or the egg. Which came first? The treasure, the priority, or the emotional connection, emotional attachment to it. Which came first was you making it a priority. And once you make it a priority and consistently give place to that thing, eventually, even if your heart's not in it initially, eventually you will become emotionally connected. You will become emotionally attached to this thing. This is when it goes from something in the head to something in the heart. Okay? So what Jesus is doing here, both in these verses that we've looked at in the, in the New Testament as well as the one in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21, Jesus is telling us how to get what's in our heads into our hearts. We looked at this slide this morning, but if you treasure, give priority, place to the things of God long enough, you will become passionate about them even if you started with little to no interest. Amen. See, that's another word, passionate. Passionate. When he's talking about setting your affections, setting your mind, He's literally talking about setting the passions of your heart, the, the, the desires of your heart, right? Now, watch this. Listen to this very carefully. What you choose to value will attract the affections of your heart because your emotions are linked to your thinking. Amen. Amen. What you choose to value, what you choose to treasure, what you choose to give place to in your life, what you choose to make a priority in your life, the affections of your heart will be attracted to that because your emotions are linked to your thinking. Okay? So we set our minds. This is literally a deliberate intentional act of, you know, uh, and there's different ways you can do this. One of the best ways is to just get a Bible verse in your mind and begin to meditate on it. Begin to think about it. Begin to mull it over. Begin to mutter it to yourself. Begin to personalize it. Amen. Right? I reckon myself to be resurrected with Christ out of Romans 6. I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because I've received a gift of grace an abundance of grace and a gift of righteousness. And because of that, I rule and reign in life. Man, what does it look like to rule and reign in life? If this is God's will for me, then I won't... You know, see, notice, we're meditating. What am I doing? I'm setting my mind on the things of the Spirit. And here's the amazing thing about setting your mind. To set your mind on one thing, to set your mind on one thing is to close the door on all the other things. This is how we win the battle in our minds. By deliberate, intentional action of setting our minds. Not on all those troublesome, worrisome things on the earth, but by setting our minds on a higher frequency. We used the example, I guess, a few weeks back about radio and television signals in this room right now. We can't feel them, we can't taste them, we can't smell them, and we won't even be able to hear them unless we have a receiver set to that specific frequency. It doesn't mean those frequencies aren't here crying out to you. They are here. We simply can't hear them and receive them without setting a, a device, a receiver to that frequency. Well, you have a receiver. Amen. 
You are a receiver. But the question we've got to ask ourselves is, are we going to set our minds on the things of the flesh and thereby set our, our, our receiver to the lower frequencies of the things of this earth? Or are we going to set our minds on the things of the Spirit and tune in to the higher frequencies of heaven? So I want you to see how this works. What you choose to value will attract the affections of your heart. That's why he said, there your heart will be also. Your heart will be drawn to what you make a priority in your life. What you choose to value will attract the affections of your heart because your emotions are linked to your thinking. Your emotions are linked to your thinking. Let me, let me try to show this to you, please. And I know that I've had some folks kind of get a little aggravated at me over the years. Doesn't work that way, Pastor Mark. It's not that simple. Yes, it is. And by the way, I'm not the one saying this. Your Creator Father said this. All right? He said anxiety in the heart causes depression. That's what Father said. Now, you, you, you can go with all the, this world's answers. But the, the, the Creator who created you, who certainly knows the cause of whatever it is that would be, you know, negatively, you know, impacting you or some negative issue in your life, He understands it, right? I mean, who better to fix something that's broken than the, than the, than the individual who created it, right? So when He says that there's something going on in your heart that's causing depression. Now again, we can, we can say, well, you know, it's just outdated, that doesn't apply to me, blah, blah. No, it's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. All right? So, if we were to, if we were to sit here and, and think about sad things, eventually our emotions would follow our thinking down into sadness. If I was to put about seven pictures of my grandson smiling on the screen, and we were to all look at that and think of that, eventually our emotions would swing back up. Are you following me? Because, again, emotions follow your thoughts wherever they go. You'll never fix emotional issues in your life without first thinking, without, without first solving the issue of, of, of your thoughts. Praise God. All right, let me try to find a place to land this plane tonight. What you choose to value will attract the affections of your heart because your emotions are linked to your thinking. Mindsets, I know this may be Captain Obvious, but mindsets begin by setting the mind. Mindsets are more than just setting your thoughts. This is where mindsets begin. Mindsets begin by setting the mind. But remember, mindsets live in the heart, not the brain. Mindsets live in the heart, not the brain. That's why in order for a mindset to be changed, it, it requires a heart change. Now, again, because a mindset begins by setting the mind, if we've got a wrong mindset in our heart, changing that to a right mindset is going to have to begin 
by setting the mind. In other words, thoughts in the brain. Making the things of God a priority in our lives. But notice, as we do that, what's, what's happening now? The affections, the emotions of our heart are going to be attracted to this new priority in our lives. Going to start giving life and energy to it. Going to become emotionally connected, emotionally involved. Am I right about this? I get a kick out of my mom. We, we have this little Yorkie named Colonel. Some of you have met him, right? And we were growing up, we had a white poodle named Poochie. And Poochie was the bomb.com man. He was the best dog ever, you know. And, um, and I think we all made this inner vow that we'd never have another dog. Everybody but Matt. Matt loves dogs. And he's got dogs. He's had them all his life. But, you know, I just said never. Um, but, man, there's something about that little brown-eyed daughter the Lord gave me. You know, she wanted a dog, right? So, so we get Colonel. And, um, and my mom, I don't know if she's kidding or not, but she's like, I see her back there grinning, right? She's like, Colonel, don't look at me. Right? Why? It's because she's not wanting to become emotionally connected to him. Right? It's kind of a futile effort with Colonel because he's pretty persistent, right? But, but notice she's, she's not wanting him to have that place in her heart. In her brain, she knows he exists. In her brain, she knows that that's a cute dog, all these other things, right? But what is she trying to stave off? What is she trying to avoid? him having a place in her heart. You see the difference here, right? For, their, for her emotions to get involved in this, all right? So mindsets live in the heart, not the brain, but they begin in the brain. They begin, maybe I should change that slide. Mindsets begin by setting the, the mind, okay? Which is something, again, that's, that's speaking of the brain. And so if you're going to change a wrong mindset, it has to begin by that deliberate, intentional act of setting your mind, making something a priority in your life. The more you do that, your emotions are going to be attracted to that. So mindsets then live in the heart, not the brain. Mindsets are a combination of automatic thoughts and, probably should have made that and all caps because that's what I'm feeling like the Holy Spirit's emphasizing here. They're a combination of automatic thoughts and the emotions they produce. A combination of automatic thoughts and the emotions they produce. An example of automatic thought is we've done the math, we've got one loaf of bread, there's 13 grown men. If we, if we, if we slice it thin, if we make thin slices with a knife, everybody can get maybe two bites. That, see, that's that's how, that's how they were processing all of this. Failing to even consider the tens of thousands of people Jesus had fed before their very eyes, perhaps only days before. See, the mindset, it's, again, did they remember when Jesus asked them, do you not remember? I mean, they answered him. Twelve baskets were picked up the first time, seven large baskets the second time. They had it in their brains but it had not yet penetrated the mindset of their heart. Is this making sense? All right. So mindsets are a combination of automatic thoughts and the emotions 
they produce. Amen. All right, stand with me tonight. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I got us to hear. I'm, I, I'm not going to preach on this verse. I just want to show it to you, all right? In light of everything we've just said, 2 Corinthians 6, 12, Paul to the Corinthians, you are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. God is not holding you back from your best life and the devil can't. What's holding us back? The things we've set our minds upon, the things that we've set our hearts upon, our mindsets, right? This is what's holding us back. Notice there's that word affections again. Do you see why he's saying set your affections on things above? Because you're not, you're not limited by even the people that are over you or leading you. Not limited by God. It's like Paul's like, listen, I am not holding you guys back. I'm trying to help you move forward in the things God has for you. But what's holding you back is your own affections. Amen. Father, thank you for this time together this evening. Thank you for the things that you're teaching us and showing us. And Father, I just thank you that, that we're all going to accept the challenge, Father, of setting our minds, setting our affections on things above. Lord, that, that we're going to become more aware of this and, and, and more aware of when our thoughts and minds are drawn away and set upon other things and worldly situations and the things of this world. Father, that we would make that shift, that we would do it on purpose. If necessary, Father, set a timer and just get somewhere quiet with you to set our minds and, and, and set our hearts upon the things of the Spirit. Lord, I thank you again for the faithfulness of these men and women here tonight. And Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters in the Bahamas, Lord, that are dealing with this hurricane, Father. We, we continue to speak, Lord, to that violent storm and command it to turn back into the ocean and do no harm. Father, I thank you for protecting our brothers and sisters, Lord, over on the eastern coast of, of our nation. And Lord, give those that are responsible for leading them wisdom. And we just believe you, Father, for um, what would have otherwise been a, a terrible tragedy with, with lots of, of damage and loss of life, Father, that it's going to be averted. And Father, we are careful to give you thanks for it in advance. Father, thank you for a great week ahead. May we let our lights so shine before men that they see our good works. Glorify you in heaven, Father. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus. Thank you so much for being here this evening. And uh, we'll see some of you Tuesday, some of you Wednesday. You have a great, great week.